You're listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn what makes people resilient after challenging events and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in their life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so get ready, sit back, and be prepared to be inspired. This is going to be a very dynamic episode where we'll talk about stress and overwork, a death experience and coming back to life and the PTSD and anxiety that caused, food allergies, uh, being at a silent retreat in India. And today to talk about those things is my guest, Scott Spears. Now, Scott specializes in assisting businesses and individuals via time management consulting. He's helping to get them to realize their goals through organization and wellness practices, bringing a healthy balance of physical and mental health, reducing stress and burnout. So having been a victim of burnout and death, Scott will talk about his journey and offer his experience along with valuable wellness advice to prevent stress from dominating our lives as the number one precursor to preventable diseases. Scott's passionate about time management and how it is the first step in organizing our lives while progressing our focus into life management and self-transformation. And in this episode, we'll just jump right into the conversation with Scott. Before I was going back to Costa Rica, one night I, I just, I was, I was a little sick already. I was tired. I was just feeling run down yeah. and I was, I was going to bed and, and my girlfriend at the time, she, uh, she noticed that I wasn't breathing properly. I, yeah. I couldn't really control my inhalation and exhalation. I was like, and, yeah. and it was kind of scary. And she was like, come on, let's go to the kitchen and get something to drink. And as soon as I took a drink, I, I collapsed and I basically died right there wow. on, on, in the apartment. And luckily she and her brother were there and were able to revive me. And Long story short, after going to the hospital and taking all kinds of tests, uh, nervous system, brain, uh, respiratory, heart, everything, yeah. it was simply exhaustion. Yeah. Oh, wow. Exhaustion. And I also found that I had some food allergies that were causing inflammation that were actually healthy foods, you know, but yeah. unless you take this test, you don't, you don't know that these things are actually affecting you in the what long fo- run. What foods were they? If you don't want oh, me ask. Uh, sure. And, I mean, is it a lot, is it, it a was, long list or? No, it's not really a long list, but it was a frustrating list because like, <sighs> for instance, eggs. Oh yeah. my gosh. Eggs. I, I would eat eggs every morning, you know, and I was always in the gym. I'm, I'm doing these Spartan races everywhere yeah. I go and everything. And I consider myself super healthy. Um, but I was, I was allergic, not allergic, but uh, highly intolerant at the time to eggs, mm. coconut, chocolate, um, Gosh. corn. I mean, just a lot of Healthy basic staples in your in and your so this diet. developed later on in life it sounds like these allergies yeah it actually it actually carried over I mean I went to some specialists here in Bogota amazing um this I really don't trust a lot of doctors you know yeah. going to the hospital and or traditional because they just want to give you a drug to solve it all mm-hmm. you know 
And I went to a doctor here and he was able to just look at my life history, where I grew up, you know, in, in Clovis and in Fresno, yeah. San Joaquin Valley, where there's all agriculture, yeah. lots of pesticides, yeah. air movement doesn't move. And I used to have really bad allergies back then too. Yeah. So they were able to link a lot of these things up and I went, uh, okay. So before I go too far there, I, I said, okay, well, I need to, I need to rebuild myself. I can't, especially working for a Chinese company. If they see any weakness, yeah. they're going to dismiss you right away. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, no, nah, I got to get back in the game. And plus out of ego and pride, I was like, yeah. I got to show these, these young cats that I, I still got it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't missed a step. So yeah. basically I jumped into focusing on my diet and my physical self. Yeah. Um, before that, I mean, I was in the gym, everything, and I just was, but I was running out of energy. So I attributed that to the nutrition side It's like, okay, if I fix that, then I'm going to get stronger again and get, get my energy back and everything. And I only focused on the physical side, which, which, uh, hard lesson learned. I, I neglected the, the mental side yeah. of things, you know? not really realizing that I was not happy with my job as much as I was before. My relationship was kind of, eh, you yeah. know, uh, just, just a lot of things. And I was just like going through the motions. I wasn't really enjoying myself in life anymore. Mm. It was just, just doing things to get through. Yeah. Um, so I started to get a negative energy a negative vibe yeah something that I, that I'd never really did I was always the happy go lucky positive you know somebody asked me hey how you doing and I'll tell them outstanding I'm not you know yeah I'm not I'm doing good no I'm doing outstanding I'm I'm here today I'm living I got another chance good positive of, attitude and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. just spreading that but that slowly kind of dissipated yeah and and with with that death experience also brought some anxiety attacks. Um, yeah. Sometimes just out of the blue, I would be, I'd be sitting there and then all of a sudden it would feel, uh, okay, don't sound, this sounds kind of crazy, but it's it, I, the only way I can explain it. it. It would sound, I mean, it would feel like all of a sudden I got possessed, like, yeah. like, a, like something would come up and say, hey, remember when you died? <laughs> oh my gosh and then it's like and then you start thinking about it and then I would start feeling some of those same symptoms yeah. and it's like ah, oh, and just start having an anxiety attack I would have to lay yeah. down put my feet up move my fingers and toes and yeah. concentrate on my breathing and that started to be like a every other month thing and mm. it was like just out of the blue you didn't know when it was going to happen so you kind of start living in a scared mode as well. Yeah. So I slowly started going into a, that, that negative path, let's say. Yeah. And then in, in the end of 2019, I mean, I knew my contract was going to expire. Yeah. Uh, especially with the Chinese company and how the politics are in the U S and that whole battle. Uh, Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So so I knew that was going to expire, but I, I had not prepared myself to slow down. Yeah. Um, I was still going 100 miles an hour. 
And I needed to learn, okay, well, this is going to stop. So how am I going to manage my life when, when this job ends? It's like hitting a wall, right? Like you just stop. And, and, you know, this is what I call the tsunami of shit because everything happened at the same time. I knew that was going to happen, but I, what I didn't know is that my relationship was, was going to be broken off. Um, my, my daughter's university savings that I had saved up yeah. was, was, I'll say, stolen because it was. Mm. Um, and also I was diagnosed with PTSD because I was still going to the doctor saying, what's wrong with these anxiety attacks and everything? Because of the death so, experience. The death experience and a lot of things that I just suppressed in life for a long time, you mm-hmm. know, and, and all of that just... Ha- crashed at once on me. And, and I was uh, just trying to manage it here in Colombia. And I I couldn't talk to anybody couldn't talk to my parents. I was just filled with shame. Um, It was really difficult. So I how did you get through the PTSD? It sounds like you're doing really well now. How did you get uh, yeah, through yeah, that PTSD? Yeah, this is the, well, this is the interesting part. And, and the most enlightening part of my life is I, I lost 30 pounds in the process while I was here in Bogota yeah. trying to fix myself like, okay, I'll just meditate, do my yoga, you know, but it was just too many uh, familiar surroundings, mm-hmm. um, especially with, you know, everything that had happened to me in those last three years, mm-hmm. taking me on that negative journey. Yeah. I was like, okay, I mean, I'm not one to run away, but I needed to get away. I was yeah. like, I need to get the hell out of here. So I, I have my, my Google map and mm-hmm. I have a few holes that I haven't been that I said, okay, I definitely need to go there someday. And one of those places was India. And I had a really good friend that I met uh, about eight years ago when I was working for the Chinese company. And we kept in touch a lot. And I just called her out of the blue and just poured my heart out to her. And yeah told her everything that was going on and said, Hey, you know, I don't, I, I don't know where to go. I, I want to come to India. I do know that. Yeah. But if you can recommend some places that I can maybe go to meditate like an ashram or something and just get away, disconnect. So she gave me a couple places and it was, uh, it was crazy because I, would be in a different airport every week of my life for the last 15 years. Yeah. But I found myself in El Dorado Airport, Bogota, which is like my second home. I could go walk through it backwards and know where everything is. Yeah. And I felt like a little scared kid because it was, I realized at the moment I'm sitting at the gate getting ready to get on the plane. Like, wow, this is the first trip that I've taken just for me. Yeah. In, since I left for the army, um, what, 30 years ago or whatever that was, you know? And I was like, that's why I'm like, so overcome with emotion. Like, yeah. I, d- I don't know what to expect. Normally I'm the, the pinpoint planner, like, okay, I know where to go when I get off the plane, what to you've do. You've always had a mission. Cetera. You've always been working yeah. for somebody, the army or being a project manager exactly. for some company or an engineer. And yeah. now it was yeah. only you that it was your time yeah yeah and 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 what this and what I realized 
at that time, during that trip and after is that everything happened because I just surrendered. I just said, okay, let's just go. Let's just not think about anything. Let's just go with it, you know? And I, and I got to India. I, I went to a yoga university. Um, okay. I learned a lot there about depression. Okay. Um, they had a very cool program there for people who are depressed, um, who want to learn about how to reduce stress and anxiety. Awesome place. I mean, it's, it's like a place where a lot of people in Bengaluru, which is where the city was, but I was outside of that, uh, will go maybe once a year just to, you know, reduce, I mean, get the latest practices on how to reduce stress, to just disconnect and everything. Yeah. And I learned so much uh, during during the first ten days I was there, and I felt just almost almost you know back to normal. Yeah. Um, and then my next plan was to go for ten days to a silent meditation retreat. It's called a vipassana yeah. retreat. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I but... haven't, but I've heard of the silent retreat, but not that. Um, yeah. That type, yeah. yeah. So, so this is what's funny too, is I, I didn't plan it. You know, I, oh, I was like, okay, I'll get the, the flight when I, when, I, when I get to India, I'll figure that out and everything. And I, I booked the flight and there's a stopover from Bengaluru to, to Bodh Gaya, which is where the ashram was, where I was going. And the stopover was in a place called Baranasi. Mm. And I, you know, I never paid attention to it, but I do like to know, okay, well, what's, what's Varanasi about, you know, and I looked and it's like uh, one of the holiest cities in India. It's where the river Ganges yeah. goes through and where they do all the cremations and the people bathe in there because they think the water is magic, you know, and it washes yeah. all their sins and everything. I was like, and I've always seen pictures all my life about it. I was like, oh, I want to go there someday. And here I am. I'm like, I have the opportunity. I've got 24 hours before I'm supposed to be at that next place. I'm like, ah, I'm doing that, you know? Yeah. And so I got to immerse myself in that place for like 24 hours and see all the different practices and cultures and temples it was just amazing and I'm, I'm not a I don't consider myself a Buddhist but I, yeah. I read up a lot and 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 of course do the meditation and yoga and everything and on that flight to Varanasi they had a they had a you know the in-flight magazine yeah and they had an article on the f the five pilgrimage sites of of Buddha yeah and I knew where I was going, the ashram, where I was going to do the 10-day meditation was where Buddha uh, apparently became enlightened, sitting mm -hmm. under the tree and doing his meditation and everything. And they have this huge temple and everything there. So I knew I was going to see that. Um, but I didn't know in Varanasi, like about 20 minutes outside of Varanasi, that there is another location where he first went to deliver his teachings after he became enlightened. So I was like, okay, I got to see that when it, before I fly, you know? So the next morning before I'm flying to the ashram, I, I booked a taxi uh, through, the, through the little hotel I was staying at. And the guy, he was, this is why I say uh, how, how magical it is when you just surrender to the universe because things just happen that you don't expect. And that 
will stick with me for the rest of my life. So yeah. this, this little story here, I go to this, this location um, and the taxi driver, he's talking to me and I'm talking to him along the way about my, you know, why I'm there, et cetera. I'm on my way to go to Vipassana meditation. And he was really cool. He was, he's super Hindu, totally into, you know, Shiva and all that stuff. And, yeah. And I, and he pulls up to the place I had limited time. So I didn't, I only had maybe a half an hour to go check this place out. So he's like, uh, when I get, when we get there, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be shortly, you know, so you're going to be here and I'll just come back. And he turns around and looks me in the eye and says, prepare to be moved. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go see what there is to see and yeah. then come back, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, yep. you know? Yep. So, <laughs> so I, I go to the, the, I think it's called a stupa, which is where uh, it's like a, a tower almost. Yeah. And, and that's where supposedly Buddha did his first teachings and everything. And I'm going there and I'm just checking it out, walking around. There's a bunch of monks there from like Vietnam and other countries. And they're there chanting, doing their chanting and meditation and everything. And I stop in front and there's like this little place where they have some incense going. And I just stopped and looked and everything just went into slow motion. All of a sudden, the smoke from the incense. I looked up the birds that were flying everything yeah. was just going slow motion. Yeah. I just kind of, it kind of took me back for a second. And then all of a sudden it felt like, you know, like when you go to the beach and the wave hits you, yeah. and knocks you over. Yeah. That's exactly what it felt like, but huh, I'm going to try not to lose it. <laughs> 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 but that experience, that, that, that feeling, that wave that went through me was just like nothing but, but, like a comfort wave because the whole time I'm there, you know, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? You know, what am I doing in India? Am yeah. I doing the right thing and everything? This constantly questioning myself uh, yeah. when I wasn't surrendering. And at this moment, it was just like a, a comforting wave that went through me telling me like, you're where you're supposed to be. You're on the right path. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just lost it. I just lost it, you know, and um, I wasn't sad. I wasn't, I was just like super happy, but these tears were just flowing Yeah, and it was like super powerful. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling good. Let's, let's go do this Vipassana meditation. Oh, so wow. I go back to the taxi driver and he could tell he knew, you know, I told him, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was moved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely moved. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I got, I got to the airport, flew to uh, Bodh Gaya and long story short there, I learned three very, very valuable lessons during that. Um, during the silent meditation, first of all, it's silent because they take away your, your phones, they take away laptops, even, even your watch. They, wow. they recommend it, you know, just to get that full disconnecting experience. You don't even need a watch because they, they come along and chime the bell when you're supposed to move to the next yeah. activity, basically, which is usually just lunch, breakfast or dinner. Yeah. Besides the meditation. So, yeah, because <laughs> that's what you're there to do is meditate all day. 
And um, that that was very liberating. I mean, I, I, that was the least hardest thing to do, but it was great. It was a great experience just to be totally disconnected from everything. Yeah. And that allows you to start looking inward, start yeah. looking at, at what, what's going on with me. Who am I basically? Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to make it sound like too spiritual or too, too, uh, you know, uh, philosophical on this, but I'm just want to explain from my experience, but going there, um, and meditating for an hour at a time, it sounds really easy. You know, it's like, Oh, you just got to sit there and not move for one hour, mm. you know, but guy, you, the, the body experience, the experience your body goes through and trying not to move for one hour and just staying there in one position I can imagine. is extremely painful, extremely yeah. painful. When you're, and, especially for you, who is used to going hundred miles an hour. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, not, not really on that side, but more on the physical side. Yeah. So like, I mean, I, I've got a bum knee a little bit, a couple, <laughs> couple injuries uh, years ago, but sitting there cross-legged, you know, yeah. and, and in one position and you're back, you know, you sitting up straight for one hour and ah, you just want to, you know, shift your weight a little bit and yeah. but you're not supposed to, they, 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 highly recommend, you know, they teach you how to, how you're supposed to meditate while you're yeah. there. And, and you're not, you don't get to talk to anybody else either. Yeah. So um, the first four days were just excruciating. I mean, I, I tried, but I was like, oh, I got to move. You know, I was put my leg out for a couple minutes and then bring it back in. But after the fourth day, I was like, all right, you, you're here for a reason. What, what did you come here for to get this experience? Right. Yeah. So, you know, follow the instructions, do it, just, just do it. Yeah. And I did that fourth day though. I, I was literally crying in pain, you know, silently, but yeah. <laughs> one bawling like a baby, but I was just like, Oh, my knee is just killing me. I'm thinking, you know, but during that one meditation where I was able to to sit and, and be still that whole time, I, I recognize what they were teaching us as well is that nothing is permanent, number one. And number two, you have control over that pain. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I could, I could then I'm like, okay, I, I've got this, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm in control of that pain. I can feel it if I want, if I want to. Yeah. And I can continue focusing on that pain as long as I want to. But what is it going to do for me? Nothing. Yeah. So taking that experience with this kind of mind over matter, like, and, and it's, it's a practice definitely, because I mean, that session, I was able to do it next session. No, I was back in pain. Yeah. And then the next session, I was able to do it again a little bit more. So that's that whole practice. And that's why it's like 10 days, because it takes a while to, to, to actually practice and learn this technique. Now, how's, so, has that training been able to help you later totally, on in life? Totally, totally. Because then I could correlate that to the depression. Okay. Yeah? It's a different kind of pain. Yeah. And, and the PTSD, right? PTSD. And the PTSD, exactly. And, yeah. and during that process, more so with the PTSD is, is during that process was 
being disconnected from everything except for yourself. Yeah. So when you're sitting there for, for an hour, not moving and just focusing on your breathing and then focusing on everything inside. I mean, they teach you about not to hang on to thoughts yeah. as well, because thoughts are what gets you uh, out of focus, you know, yeah. um, takes you away from what you should be focused on. And during that process, you start thinking about so much about your life and everything that's happened from the beginning up to now. And, you know, things that I hadn't thought about for years, like what happened in high school, a couple things, you know, and it's like, oh, but then you make peace with it and let yeah. it go. Yeah. So that other lesson is the law of impermanence. They call it a Nietzsche. Okay. And it's, it's basically impermanence nothing nothing remains the same and and to be free of attachments okay so that could be pleasurable attachments or or bad attachments so like yeah. depression you you don't want to hold on to this but you, only you can move on from it yeah. and and it's it's there only as long as you are holding on to it right yeah so so another lesson they taught us it, to kind of break it down a little bit further and easier to understand is like you can go stand in a river yeah. you look at the river before you step in it it's 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 one state but you take one step in it it's a different river yeah because it's different water that's flowing yeah. all the time the temperature is different in your body that changes yeah. even your breath every inhale and exhalation your body changes we're yeah. living and dying with every breath. So it was really deep uh, mm -hmm. lesson uh, yeah. for me to learn on that. And, and to take those, the mind over matter, you know, like you can hold on to this pain as long as you want, but what is, what good is it going to do you? Mm -hmm. And you have the power to let it go. Yeah. And, and the other lesson of, of being free of attachment, um, the law of impermanence, yeah. those two things really helped bring me totally out of the depression, the PTSD, uh, along with some of the other exercises I learned at the yoga university, like pranayama, yogic breathing. Um, a lot of those things all put together just really totally helped me come out of that. And okay. that's, that's why now in a, to, in a short story to, to I'm doing this well, <clears throat> excuse me, this wellness center yeah. uh, to give people an outlet um, to, to teach them what I, what I've learned, not just on, on, on that India trip, but through my life and in that journey and, yeah. and try to give them a, a firsthand experience that they, that they can maybe relate to yeah. rather than finding it in a book or something. So I'm doing that and, and also getting my coaching going. Uh, yeah. On, yeah. Online. Oh, nice. And tell me what you're doing with children. I'm really interested in uh, yeah, hearing about yeah. the children work. Yeah, work I'm, I'm children. helping mostly with with mindfulness exercises. Yeah. Um, like a lot of kids now, I mean, doing the 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 virtual learning, virtual schooling yeah. online, and it's so much easier when they're in the classroom and focused mm. with the teacher and everything. But when they're home, you know, it's easy to just yeah drift <laughs> off. Drift. <laughs> Drift. Yeah, yeah. So I do exercises like uh, to to help them 
start focusing and also reduce their anxiety. So like uh, one little girl, she hates math. Yeah, uh, she's just not confident in it. And every time it's time for a test, she just panics, you know, yeah. and forgets everything. So I taught her the breathing exercises, some yeah. yoga breathing exercises, and some confidence building exercises for her, like when when she's doing her homework and, and to not to treat her homework, you know, like it, like the test. But when she goes back and checks her answers to be happy, you know, to be kind to herself and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm teaching mindfulness exercises, um, like when they sit down to eat, I'll teach them uh, mindful eating, you know, yeah. like, okay, before you eat, I want you to smell your food, you know, don't, don't look at the phone, don't look at TV, yeah. just concentrate on your food. Where did it come from? Be grateful for that, you yeah. know? How was it prepared? Who prepared it? That the whole step yeah, process, yeah. and and then they start they start getting connected, not just to the food, but to the whole process that brought it there to them. Yeah. Because so we grow up now, you know, it's like food is just on the table; it just magically appears. We don't yeah. know where it came. We're from. disconnected from the process. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so you're helping the kids get reconnected to their world through mindful eating building their resilience because right. this podcast is all about resilience. So you're helping That's children right. build mm -hmm. resilience through those mindfulness exercises. Right. Right. Yeah. And sometimes uh, like what I, anybody that can come to the, uh, to the, the wellness center where I'm at, um, even though it's not done, I mean, I had a few friends and, and they brought their kids and we do one thing that I like to call gratitude hiking. And oh, tell me a, about that. It's, it's, it's mindfulness, but also it's, it's a form of movement meditation. Yeah. And so it is really good for people who don't know how to meditate or are getting frustrated with meditation, just starting. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's so hard just to sit there and focus on breath or look at a candle yeah. or something. <laughs> so, so what I teach on the gratitude hiking is, is we just, as soon as we step out of the cabin, we, we just recognize the temperature. Is it cold? Is it hot? Is it sunny? Is it is it cloudy? But you just think this, you know, yeah. you just think this. And then we start walking. And as we start walking, we just start focusing on our breath. Yeah. yeah? It's like, am I taking deep breaths? How is the air coming in? Is the air cool and then warm coming out, etc.? You know, so we yeah. just we move to different stages along the little the little walk that we take uh, okay. on the gratitude hike. So we, we focus on the temperature, then we focus on our breathing, and then we focus on maybe how do our legs feel as we're walking? How do our feet feel from our toes up to our legs, up to our hips, kind of like a body scan. Yeah. Um, and what do we hear? You yeah. know, it could be the next thing. Do I hear birds? Do I hear, you know, an airplane flying over the head? Do I hear the wind blowing through the trees? Yeah. What do I smell? Uh, I mm -hmm. like to ask them that when we walk by a, a beautiful jasmine bush, that's just so fragrant. So, yeah. and, and that really connects them right away. Like, oh yeah, I can smell that without, because, you know, like they say during the day, I mean, we stop and smell the flowers, right? But yep. we, usually we're so busy. We that's like, yeah, beautiful. Go. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so those those are the kind of stages that I that I introduce to them. Just kind of get in touch with their senses while they're yeah. walking, and and the better they can start focusing and and shifting their mind to okay, what do I smell? What do I see? What do I hear? Yeah. Um, you know these things. What do I f- uh, feel on my in my body? How's my breathing? And when they get are able to get in touch with those senses. Mm-hmm. And they're able to apply that more to focusing on whatever they want to do in, in every day. You yeah. Know? So, and like on my Instagram, I, I I'm trying to do a weekend dare for people. You know, I post a weekend dare and yesterday's was for people to get, uh, to reconnect to nature. Yeah. Um, even, even if we're cooped up in an apartment or, and we can't get out to a forest or, or a park or anything. It's like, it's okay. If you've got a house plant, Hey, go sit in front of that plant and, and look at it, observe it, the colors, touch it. Yeah. Um, you know, and just, and, and think about it on a cellular level from the leaves to the stalk down to the roots and the soil, you know, just, just disconnect from everything and, and focus on one thing specifically. Yeah. You know, so I chose nature for this weekend. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm trying to do for for people right now uh, to to help and, them. Yeah. And the pandemic. Tell me about what you're doing for people and organizations to help people get organized. That was really interesting uh, yeah. too. Yeah, I'm doing I've I've done some trainings for businesses. Uh, yeah. it's funny. I I normally cater it to to their pain points, but I also like to introduce um trainings like on 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 uh different business on different cultures generational cultures good good because if i would i've been reading and and supposed to be like in 2025 75 percent of the workforce is supposed to be millennials and that's a totally different culture than total different culture especially uh, excuse me, with all these businesses, I mean, with the old guard, let's yeah. say, and always wanting to be rigid with, this is how exactly. we do it. This is how it has to be done. Yeah. But rather than taking the strengths from, from the different cultures yeah. and, and bridging that and helping them work together. Um, but where I mostly focus on is time management. Um, okay. And time management, I think is so crucial, not just in personal lives, but professional as well because um I don't I don't know if you've experienced the the undaunting amount of meetings that go on in a day that one is expected to be in it's like okay is that really necessary you know yeah can that can that be solved without a meeting you know and and I try to to for the businesses I try to help them organize their time much more efficiently and also introduce like a conscious wellness aspect to it as well okay. where it's it's hard to get them to focus just on the on the wellness side so yeah. I try to go through the time management okay. but when they start learning about the time management then they start realize then I start introducing as well some some mental health uh, practices for okay. for <clears throat> for their employees, because a lot of corporations have uh, wellness programs, but they're normally just focused on the physical side. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, I'll bring a yoga person in here and we can do some stretches. Yeah. You know, day and that's it. Rather than they, they, what, what really interests me on the business side is that 
I haven't seen any place that has taught their leaders, their managers, how to recognize mental health, mm -hmm. uh, mental health flags, basically. So yeah. like I've, I've gone through the, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, let me drink some water. Sure. I've gone through the exhaustion yeah. part of work and I really would have enjoyed if a manager would have recognized, uh, hey, this guy's got too much on his plate. I need to take some off rather than dumping more on him and yeah. expecting, expecting the impossible. Yeah. You know? So I, I really am trying to get leadership development training in corporations that have an aspect of recognizing and fostering mental health not just the physical health yeah. and, and recognizing when people are close to burnout, um, their stress levels, you know, and, and how, and some practices on how to combat that yeah. and, and bring them back to a balanced uh, lifestyle because so many companies lose money because employees are out sick. And to me, it's just a no brainer. Take care of your employees yeah. And your your business will thrive. Yeah, basically. exactly. And so yeah. your background in project management and engineering and all the different uh, companies you've worked with and countries and cultures is really helping mm -hmm. your business with consulting for other. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Because especially on the culture side, because uh, in the U.S., we're just so used to this. OK, everything is accounted for. But if you go mm -hmm. out, go to go to Mexico or go to Indonesia, it yeah. might be expected. But the mentality is different, laid back, you know, beach, beach style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hard to get used to for us Americans that are high strung. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you need to know how to adapt. And, and that's the other thing I try to bring to businesses is the how to adapt mm -hmm. to, to different things like COVID happening now. Yeah. Who, who would have guessed, you know, yeah. uh, all the things that we have to had to adapt to last year to continue to, yeah. to live. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that maybe you want to talk about? You know, I think the most important thing at this time during the pandemic, rather than just stressing over everything, I, I would, I would like to, tell everybody just to take advantage of the time that we do have right now. You know, yeah. if we're, we're, if we're stuck in the apartment, we're stuck at home, not able to go out and do what we want to do, turn that around into a positive and yeah. try to get in touch with yourself. Uh, disconnect from everything. I know it's hard a lot for, for a lot of people and it's 10 days would be a long time. Uh, one week would be a long time. Yeah. But, hey, if you could do it for a weekend, I can guarantee you will get so much out of it. Yeah. Don't talk to anybody. Disconnect your phone, your laptop, everything. Tell everybody in advance so they don't think you're crazy and that you yeah. fell off the end of the earth, you know, but, but try it try it, especially now that you have time to do it. And, and once you have that connection, you're going to find out what do you really want in life? What's important to you, et cetera. Uh, yeah. You're able to, you're going to be able to work through some things that you might not have, have thought have been bogging you down or causing you stress. No, there's, there's help out there, you know? Yeah. So if you do connect with yourself and then say, what's next? Um, hey, 
contact me. I'm happy to, to help guide you through the journey from my experience and, and give you some pointers and, and get you on your way to self-transformation. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. You've been listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. Join us next week for another story of resiliency. And please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to leave me a comment or email me at catalystforchange20 at gmail.com. Or on Facebook, we have a page at Catalyst for Change Resiliency.